Okay, so Basiyata Deshmai with the Abba Master of the World. We're going to jump right back in to our Limud of Rabbi Nachman's incredible Sefer, Nassim's incredible Sefer, Sicha Saran, the conversations of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. We call it class trip with Rabbi Nachman, trying to journey with the Sadiq as he's sharing with us insights and stories and historical anecdotes and tidbits that really allow us into the world of Breslov, what this thing is, Breslov, what this derech is, what this path is, what this consciousness is what this moach is. And so we're going to continue our learning from last week where we delved very deeply into the Indian of Rosh Hashanah, particularly Rabbi Nachman's approach, obviously, to Rosh Hashanah, and what we learned very, very deeply about positive thinking, about what Rosh Hashanah really is, and what it is to go ahead and to have one day to recalibrate. We learned about finding who we really are inside, Bipnimius, reconnecting with that point, what it means to be sameach, on Rosh Hashanah, we spoke so much about simcha, about returning to our essence, about returning to our source, and we're rooted in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's place of Oz V'chedva B'mekomo, to really, once again, contact that initial, earliest iteration, who we are at the core, at the essence. And today, we're going to continue that sicha, predominantly the sources that are going to enable us to unpack the latter part of the Sicha, the second half of the Sicha. But let's start from the beginning. Sicha Saran Chaf Aleph, and we begin again from the beginning. We'll just review what we did last time, and we will continue to try to unpack some of the later points in this very short Sicha, so the second half, right? The Seifa, right, of, this, of the Brice over here, of this, of this Sicha. So the Rebbe says like this, Rosh Hashanah, Chacham. Again, for the beginning, Rabbi Nachman says that a Rosh Hashanah person has to be a big chacham, very wise. What did that mean, wise? That a person should be thinking only good thoughts. That a Kodesh Baruch Hu is going to do good with us. He's got to do good with us. We learned so much about the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? The self-fulfilling thought that a person who believes mamish that we can go on and we can continue, we can restart. Such a person will have the schus to be able to restart. But a person who believes that we you can't start again, Mamela, what are you going to do? That's going to be the biggest obstacle for him, a self-fulfilling sort of obstacle, because the more you believe it's a brick wall, the more it's going to be a brick wall, in the sense that you're not actually changing what it is, essentially, but if you believe it to be an impassable uh, obstacle, then you're not going to be able to pass, right? And then it will indeed have emerged to have been an impassable obstacle, but not objectively, only subjectively. So, so much relies on the way that we see things. We spoke about Noah. We spoke about Er. Noah er does what's Hashem. He sees himself reflected and his own perception of how God sees him informs how he tries to then interact with the Kodesh Baruch Hu or otherwise. Thank you so much for coming. Which muscle? That's exactly right. It's just an illusion. To be able to realize it's just an illusion. Bediuk. Exactly right. We learned about the importance of being very joyous on Rosh Hashanah. And over here, we're going to begin to unpack these two final statements and final parts in this sicha about what Rosh Hashanah is and how a Jew is supposed to act and behave on Rosh Hashanah. And Rabbi Nachman over here says, person has to mamish cry on Rosh Hashanah. We're going to learn about what that crying is. But it's very important to try to go ahead and to shed some tears on Rosh Hashanah. We spoke in the beginning of last week's Sicha that it doesn't necessarily need to be mamish crying, even though, of course, that's the ideal. But it's hard for us. It's hard for us. We're very numb. We're much more emotionally overstimulated than any generation previous. We're exposed to a lot more good news. We're exposed to a lot more bad news, maybe in the span of a month than they were in their entire lives. And so we develop a shell, a callousness. And sometimes it's a good thing. Most of the time, it's not such a good thing. But therefore, it's very, very hard for us to work up those genuine emotions because there's so much in, in, in terms of barriers that we've built, right, to protect ourselves. We're very numb. And so we spoke about kolbichi, even to produce the sound, ki'ilu to pretend, but it's not pretending, right? You know, and this is an important point that we've spoken about, I'm sure, in the past, that in Musr Svarim, you find the concept of tnuach an external action, right, awakens the inside. And it's brought already from the Sefer HaChinuch, I think one of the earliest um, expressions of this idea from Marishan and the Sefer HaChinuch. And the Mesil Sharm obviously brings this down powerfully, and many of the other Sefarim follow suit. But by Hasidus, it wasn't so much that the external actions are awakening something inside that wasn't there before. It's Tnuachitsainis is Megale HaPnimis. By Hasidus, we start from the premise 
that a Jew inside, 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 at the earliest, deepest core, at the, at, the, at, the, at the most primordial aspect of a Jew's being, we find in that place perfection. We find in that place holiness. We find in that place goodness. We find in that place devekus. You don't get more davuk than that. That's what we find at the core. I, after that, there's a lot of layers of dust. And after that, there's a whole lot of obstacles and a whole lot of barriers that prevent that essential goodness and holiness from coming to expression. But that doesn't mean that it's not there. It means that it's there, it's covered over. When we go through the motions, right, we're not only trying to go ahead and then awaken up something within that's going to fit our external actions. When we're going through the motions, you know what kind of motions we're going through? Not external motions. We're going through the deepest, deepest internal emotions that are happening deep under the surface and we're allowing those to come to the fore. That's a very, very different perspective. And without going into the depth now, that perspective changes everything, right? Because when you work from that premise, that it's not about trying to go ahead to get somewhere that we're not, but it's just trying to get away all the other external extraneous material that's sort of covering over what we essentially are, changes everything. And that's Hasidus. Tnuach Yitzayinus is not Me'orer HaPnimius, but is Megala HaPnimius. That's a very, very fundamental distinction. And so here what we're speaking about, Rabbi Nachman says, that a person needs to cry on Rosh Hashanah. Sometimes we've got to fake it. That's what we're speaking about. But we're mamish not faking it. Right? What we're doing is, in trying to go ahead and imitate that the master of the world has heard the sound of my crying, we are tapping into that place that's always crying inside. We're tapping into that place that's mamish crying, and this that we're not physically crying is just a hester, is a covering over what's actually going on. So by imitating the sound of crying, we're enabling a channel to open up between the deepest core of who we are to bring it out into the physical bepal, right? But that's a very important nukuda. Kishom Hashem kol bichi. There's a lot of other nice ramazim to this Torah is about this. I'll just give you two right now. One is the way in which the Aron Kodesh, the Aron HaKodesh, right, that was in Mamash the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the outside was gold, and the inside was gold, and there was a wooden box in the middle. That means to say that a Jew's outside gold, the outer gold, that seems to be trying to be mashpia on the wood, that that's how we view it, right? We think that like inside is just wood, we feel nothing. Outside, we'll try to be mislive, and we'll try to move our arms, and we'll try to feel something and dance a little bit. We're not happy inside. No, 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 no. The outside gold is only a reflection of what's beyond that wood, that inside is mamish gold also. Find a similar thing by Yaakov Avinu, right? That Yaakov Avinu is battling with the Sarashal Esav, and by Yehovik Ishimo, Chazal says, Chazal say, I'm sure I've said this to you in the past, but it's good to review. Chazal say, by Yehovik Ishimo, is that the Avak, the dust of Yaakov Avinu, was going up. Mamish, it reached to the Kisya Kavit. Mamish reached to the Kisya Kavit. And what does that mean? That Esav is telling Yaakov Avinu, Ba'yavasar Yaakov Levadoi, Dafka, when Yaakov Avinu is alone, is all alone. And that means that Esav comes to a Jew, Ba'yavasar Yaakov Levadoi, when a Jew is all alone, the Menei Yaakov. And, and, and Esav says to us, very nice that you're behaving in a certain way when you're around other people, when you're around other Jews, and you're davening in a minion. And it's very nice when you're in the base medrash and you have a misgeret and you have chavrusas and you have societal expectations. What about when you're all alone? How are you going to act then when you're on an island somewhere on vacation and you don't have a minion to daven with or whatever the, 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 you know, the nature is, corona, right? It was a good, a good marker of this. How do you daven then? And Esav wants to tell Yaakov, you know, ah, you see, that all of your external sort of expressions of tzidkis, adam begalui, is only when you're around other people. But beseser, it's not intrinsically essentially there. There's no adam beseser uvagali. The seser is not there. It's contingent on other people. But by Yaakov Lavadi, look, you're not the same way that you were. And the avak reaches the kisya covered, which shows you what's up there. The pnei Yaakov is chakuk on the kisya covered. That means that there's a Yaakov Avinu below. And that's the way in which a Jew is expressing himself externally. And then there's a big gap. And there's a whole lot of dust. And there's a whole space and a tremendous ladder of ups and downs. And a person that doesn't seem, right, or doesn't, right, that, that person doesn't seem when he's alone that he's the same kind of person when he's around other people. But beyond that, there's the Pnei Yaakov that's Chakuk on the Kisah. So there's the gold inside, there's the gold outside, and then there's the wooden box in between, but that's chitsani. 
And so people ordinarily think of ourselves as having two elements. There's the external and the internal. But Hasidus comes to be mechadish, that there's a point beyond that internal point, and that point is ever pure, ever holy. And the question is how much we're tapping it or not tapping it. So that's an Indian gam srichim is Hashana, even to go ahead and to go through this nekudah of kol bichi, just to try to, uh, to pretend a little bit, but it's mamash not pretending. And finally, and we made mention of this last time as well, on the first day, we spoke about how, how much you shouldn't speak about, speaking about speech, on Rosh Hashanah Mamish, to really be memayit dibor, as much as possible. The Amr, and he said, Shadam Gadol, that a big tzaddik, Tzarech Ledaktik has to be very, very careful about the speech on Rosh Hashanah, V'yal Kain, and therefore Abnasan records that who, Rabbi Nachman, Enoi Oyem Rabbi Yemarisha Nafilu Apayit. Rabbi Nachman would not even say the piyutim. He wouldn't even say any of the extraneous, extra, it's not extra, obviously, right? But anything that's not mamishimi ikar yisod of Anche Knesset of what this davening is supposed to look like, he would leave that out. Rak mashi yasid Erbelazar akaler. What Erbelazar akaler was the chief python, right? It was, the, it, was the, it was the head, the rosh ha-paitanim. He would recite those piyutim, aval shar ha-payit, all of the other stuff. Eino oimer, he wouldn't say. And that's even in Kedusha. Machmas, sha'adam gadol, a very holy Elevated, big person, tsarich ledaktek oz biyoiser levli ledaber shum dibor sheinu muchroch mamish not to speak at all. And that's what we said last week. That even in Uman, right by the by the oivdim, you find that it's much quieter, much 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 quieter. The first night, everything is a lot more toned down. It's a lot more introspective. There's a lot of you know trying to get through the suda and then go on your own and, and do your own avodas, not to not to be speaking so much. So just to be conscious of it, you know, everything within normal measures and so on and so forth, but to be conscious of this nikuda of, uh, of, of Dibur on the night, and we'll speak a little bit more about that toward the end of tonight's year. Okay, so let's jump into the sources here. We begin with a piece from Shara Kavanas and Drusha Rosh Hashanah, where we speak about the concept of crying. And crying dafka with regard to the Yamam Noram from the Arizal Shusyagunwin. So he writes over here, Bashar Kavanas Rabino Arizal Drushi Rosh Hashanah Isa, it's broad, and this is Rabchaim Vital writing, obviously, was the scribe of the Arizal, much like Rab Nassim was the scribe of Rabbi Nachman. Gam He says that the Arizal's minhuk was to cry very, very much during the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah, afilushu yamtiv, even though it was a yamtiv. We're going to learn, based on Rabbi Nachman's understanding of what Bechia is, is that it's not a steer of Bechlal, but even though crying is normally associated with sadness and brokenness, even though it was a yamtiv, he was crying very much. Betfilus Rosh Hashanah, afilushu yamtiv. Umikol shekem betfilus yam kippurim, don't even start talking about Yom Kippur, right, where Mamish, obviously, he was crying much more. And Arizal says, and listen to this very sharp words, Mama's sharp words. This itself should make us cry. A person who is not moved and stirred at some point to tears on these days, that itself demonstrates that the Neshama is not whole, that there's something deficient. Now, again, deep, deep, deep inside, we're crying all the time. And deep inside, certainly on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, we're crying. But it means to say that we've not yet been Megala, that point inside of us that's Mamish Shalim all the time, but the Shlemus has not yet reached that outer gold box of the Aran, right? It hasn't yet come to the surface. And again, that, that itself could make us cry. If a person finds in Rosh Hashanah that you're not crying, that itself is a reason to cry, right? Because what's going on, it means that we're not, there's something, there's something off. There's something off the gravity of this day. You know, the, 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 the essentiality of this day the way in which it cuts to the core of our identity, of our relationship with Hashem. What Rosh Hashanah is. And that reason would also say, that are those that are going through judgment on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. And the first day of Rosh Hashanah is much more serious than the second day. It could be also that, that's why Rabbi Nachman said that the Indian of speech, whatever that is, we're going to talk about, is dafka on the first day and not the second day because the din is much more kasha the first day. And then there are others that are judged on the second day where it's a little bit of a lighter judge, judgment. There's a difference between the first day of Rosh Hashanah and second day of Rosh Hashanah, even though halachically it's, it's considered one day, but Kabbalistically there's a difference between the first day and the second day in terms of the level and severity 
severity of the judgment that's being handed down on those days. Are those that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has a lot of mercy on and says it's better to go ahead and judge these people on the second day when it's Dina Rafia, it's a little bit of a lighter din. But Amar. And so the Arizal says, He says, a person that's, constant, that's all of a sudden stirred to tears on the first day, that shows that you're being judged in that moment. When a person is, is bursting out crying on the second day, what does that show? He's being judged on the second day. So it's good to keep in mind as well. An interesting thing. So you turn the page, and here we have a piece from the Balatanya, which speaks about this Nikuda Mamish from Rebchaim Vital that we just learned from the Ariyah Kaddish, and a little bit of a depth of why this is an important Nikuda crying Dafgan Rosh Hashanah. This is from Likutei Taira, Parshas Kiseitzeh. And the Heilig Arizal says the following, and to all those that are, following, that, are, that are watching that don't have the papers in front of you, we'll be sending them out, Bezer Hashem, so you'll be able to do Chazar with the papers. I apologize, it would just be too much to have to scroll and you know, and give it this year also in person. So the Hidegar, the Balatani says the following. Crying, says the Balatani, is mamash and akuda of what? Of tshuva ilav, a very elevated, incredibly high form of tshuva. Ilah, because he says even within tshuva ilah, even within a very high level of tshuva, there's many, many, many levels. And the highest level of the higher kind of tshuva, tshuva ilah, is tears. Is when a person is moved to tears, a person is crying. That's the highest kind. And about this, the Pasuk says, with, with bechi, with crying, they'll enter. There's a bechina of yavayu. There's a bechina of entering into the gates of holiness. That's dafka through what? Through bechi, through crying. Uksiv in the Pasuk says, nar right? When Basia discovers Moshe Rabbeinu floating down the Nile River, she discovers that there's what? There's a nar boiche. There's a baby. There's a child crying inside. And she had mercy on him. And this is what is said about Rabbi Kiva. And of course, he's speaking allegorically on that Pasuk. That it doesn't only mean, okay, you find a Pasuk where there was a Nara that was crying and somebody had mercy on him. But it means the same thing for us. And the Shechina, Baska, is also the Shechina, right? Kabbalistically. And it means that when we're tapping into that inner child within, when we tap that essential holiness that abides, that exists beyond all the dust in between the face of Yaakov Avinu below and the face of Yaakov Avinu on the Kisya Kavit, beyond the wooden box that's in between the, the two boxes in the Aron, when we tap into that in place of the Nar and, and Boiche, and it brings us to tears because we're so clear in that moment of who we are and how we've been acting in a way that might not be aligned with our deepest essence, what happens? So that's our Kodesh Baruch Hu has mercy on us and the Shechina has mercy on us. So that's that Pasuk. And here he brings an amazing, amazing Maimar Chazal about Rabbi Kiva. Sha'amra Rabbi Kiva Sha'amra Shira Shirim. And this is going to be very intuitive. We're going to learn something deep about this. That when Rabbi Kiva was saying Shira Shirim, Zolgu Einav Demois. His eyes were pouring forth tears. Shira Shirim Dafka, not the Teichacha. And not other parts that we would think are clearer why somebody would be crying when he's reading the Teichacha or when he's reading Eicha. Shira Shirim. We're going to learn a special kind of Bechia. What this means, Dafka Shira Shirim, that you would think is, you know, why are you crying during Shira Shirim? It's not a cry of brokenness. Adarab, Shira Shirim is the most beautiful, wonderful expression of closeness, of essential, unconditional closeness between Am Yisrael and Akadosh Baruch, between Kuchabrichu, Shchente. What's the makum for crying? We're going to learn about what crying is. But this is what we find that Rekiba was crying over here. What's this crying about? It's about an incredible dveikus. It's about an incredible closeness with our source that brings about tears. It's, it's, it's more of a, not even a nostalgia, but, but when we're moved, we're overcome with the emotion of being able, many you know, over Corona, whose grandparents they couldn't see for six months, and all of a sudden, finally, you're able to go in and hug your grandma, your grandfather, all of our grandparents should be good, you know, should be, should be healthy, be Israel Hashem, and, um, and live, I may have asked from Shana, when you have that ability to go ahead and to hug a grandmother, to hug a grandfather, to hug a parent, there's tears. What's the tears? What is that? What's the tears? It's not tears of sadness, Adarabah. 
It's tears of being overcome with the dveikus, with the closest, with the love. And that's tshuva ilah. That's what we're talking about. That's that incredibly elevated shir hashirim dika That's beyond, you know, regret. It's beyond that. It's the joy that overwhelms us. It's the, it's the deep nostalgia, that element that brings us back in touch with our deepest essence of dveikus b'shashenu. That's the nekuda of what? Of Rosh Hashanah. To begin. Mamash, to begin again. To go back to the beginning. To be able to dig, dig, dig beyond all of the dirt and the dust and to be able to uncover that Be'er Ma'im Chaim underneath that's full of living waters where we're still innocent, where we're still pure. That princess that gets lost, Al-Derech, right? Ba'derech Siparti Maisa. To be able to get back in touch with that, that brings us to tears. That's Shira Shirim. That's the Dveikus, that deep, deep bonding of the soul, Bishar Shalomala, in its source. Not only in its source in the Master of the World, but like we speak about in Chapter 1 of the story of our lives, what's the Tshuva is tshuva to ourselves, tshuva to our true selves. And says Rav Kook, when a person really taps into who he deeply is at the core, what do you find? You find the Kaddish Baruch The tshuva to who we are is tshuva to Hashem is. Because that's what we find when we dig deeply enough and we discover our essence and that holiness at our essence. That's the nekuda of dveikas, ashira shira. When you connect to such a point that it's beyond what the soul is able to handle, right? You're not able to even, uh, uh, you know, sort of contain your emotions, and it just overflows. And that's what the piece that Sarebbe says in uh, in Ish Kodesh. He says, you know what crying is? Crying is mamash when you take a cup of water and you try to pour into another cup and eventually you pour it over too much water and the cup doesn't have the capacity to hold it so it overflows. He says crying is what happens when your water level, so to speak, when your emotion level, chesed is maya, maya is chesed, when that feeling of emotion just overflows more than your body, which is the cleat, can hold it and it overflows and it comes out of the eyes. That's what tears are. It means that you lo sapik, right? What it says about what it says about sapik, right? That he had to run into the next room. He couldn't contain himself. That's what tears are, and that's what it means coming Rosh Hashanah, where you feel such an overwhelming dveikus in our source that we don't have kalim. We push it. Don't have kalim. It's not a crying of brokenness, Adarab. It's a crying of shir shirim. It's a crying of tshuva ilah. It's a crying, as we'll see from Rabbi Nachman in the next source, of of simcha ultimately. We, we can't handle it. Okay, we'll skip the next line. It's not relevant for us now. The Al-Inyin Bechia Zu says the Balatanya about this Bechia, about this crying. Isa B'Shem HaRizal, it's brought from the name of the Arizal, what we just learned. Shekol Mishe Eino Boiche B'Rosh Hashanah V'Yem HaKippurim It's about this kind of crying. That Darizal referred when he said that a person who does not break out into tears on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, which, as we've mentioned, are days not of judgment and fear and, 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 and regret and shame and guilt and all of that we you know, ordinarily associate with Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, mamish not. But they're days of la'ade ad yimleich melech when we have such clarity, and we have clarity not only into the nature of the world, what this world is about, what the birthplace of Olam Helem is about, why, did, why is there so much Helem in my life? Why is there so much darkness in the world? Why is there so much brokenness in this experience? But we get clarity into who we are. We get clarity into Tshuva Tashav to return, not just to our Kodesh Baruch, but to our deepest selves in that moment. We should feel a stirring of emotion that's so deep and that's so expansive and that's so incredibly earth-shattering that our kalim can't handle it and, and it overflows. That's the, that's the, that's the kind of bechia that Darizal is speaking about, that if a person doesn't go ahead and, and, and isn't moved to tears of this kind, it means that the shlameless of the neshama inside hasn't yet been tapped. It means that there's still dust, and it means that there's still a layer where we think we're caught up in, in that sandstorm of everything that we're not, of all the, those machshavas zaris, right, of all of those foreign thoughts, and all of those foreign identities, and all of the aspects of my life that I become identified with, but there's mamas the nachash, hakad that originally is outside of Adam, and then only after the etzadas taibura becomes inside, but it's still a separate being. It's not who we are. It means that you haven't yet gotten out of that identification. But the moment that we do, and the moment that that shlemus hanefesh is tapped, and we're able to really, it's a, it's a crying again. I, I, let's reiterate, it's not a crying of, look how terrible I am, look how broken I am. It's look how good I am. 
Look how holy I still am. Look at how strong we are. After inquisitions and holocausts and pogroms and 2,000 years of mamish torture and agony, after all of this, there's a defiance. It's, you know, to anybody who's familiar with the story of the lost princess, and I hope all of us are and all of us will be, and the story of our lives. So at the very, very end, we find that when the viceroy is faced with that third giant, and the giant is trying to convince him that what he's looking for doesn't exist, and there's no other giants to ask anymore. This is it. This is the end. This is the biggest mania sheyesh. What does the viceroy do? Imamish bursts into tears and he starts crying. What are those tears? It's not the tears of, of giving up, of sadness that he was misled because he still believes with every fiber of his being that the princess that he's spoken to, that he's been toiling for decades and decades and decades and lifetimes, that she's mamish there and she's accessible, that he's still pure, that he's still holy, that every Jew still contains that ability to contact that place of holiness within. And he starts to cry. It's a cry of defiance. It's a cry of, of, of we made it. We're here. We don't understand and how, excuse me, we're hanging on for dear life and we're not able to go ahead and, uh, and, and sometimes live in accordance with our deepest ideals, but we're not allowing ourselves to be swayed by all of those external voices, even though they're inside of us, but we understand them as being external. We're not giving up. And that moves a person to tears. That's that crying that Arizal says that if a person doesn't cry in Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, it means that we're not there yet. It means that we have a... a, 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 a improper approach on, on what Rosh Hashanah is and what the crying of Rosh Hashanah is supposed to be because that ki kind of crying we think to ourselves we have no shaykhs with, right? The kind of crying that is, has to do with like tzidkas and like we care so much about our veiras and so on and so forth. That crying we may think it's for tzaddik elian that they know what an avera is and that they know and so on and so forth but not for us. But this kind of crying shaykh for each and every Jew. This kind of crying is even a higher kind of crying than that. But mamish, we have shaykhs with it. Dafka, we have shaykhs with it. Dafka, the lower a person is, the more he has shaykhs with it because the more defiant, that resetting, that recalibrating is on Rosh Hashanah. Mirashis, Hashanah. This is going to be the year. We know it's going to be the year. Ah, how many Ahrashanas were there already? Ahrashanah, Shana, Shana, Shana. It wasn't the right year. It wasn't the year that we mamish broke through, but it makes no difference. We're coming back with strength. Mirashis, Hashanah. We're starting fresh. We're tapping into the Eretz Yisrael inside. Eretz HaShe'eni HaShem Tamad HaLekechabam Mereshes HaShana. We're tapping into the Eretz HaKodesh, to the Yerushalayim within, to the Beis HaMikdash within, to the Kodesh HaKadashim within, to the Aron within, and to the Golden Box within the Aron within. Tamid, Eini HaShem HaLekechabam Mereshes HaShana. That's what gives us strength. The Ikra B'Yam Kippurim and the Balatani finishes, he says, the ikr of this kind of crying is Yom Kippur. We come to a very elevated place. Yom Kippur is mamish. Ta'inu, we made a mistake. Titanu, you, you, you led us astray. Right? Titanu, we were led astray. We don't understand how our lives went so miserably wrong. But we believe that everything until this very moment, it's all part of the master plan. And I'm starting fresh. I'm starting from now. Dafka, Dafka, picking up the broken pieces of all of my mistakes and building something beautiful out of it. Dafka, Ta'inu, Titanu, we give it up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Keser El Yagbina, very lofty levels that are revealing themselves and are being revealed on Rosh Hashanah Lefnei Hashem Titaru Mamish Lefnei Hashem Mamish the Moichin Mamish and the Panim HaMakadosh Baruch Hu Lefnei Hashem Titaru that's what's cleansing us in that place there's Makom anymore to go through I am so low I'm so broken I'm so when you come to that place of Ni'ilah like the Tzadikim say what's Ni'ilah Ni'ilah is not uh oh the gates are closing we're being locked out Ni'ilah means like the Tepsker said Ni'ilah means Mamish we're brought in and, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu locks the door behind us. And it's just us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That place of Ni'ilah is beyond anymore. It's like a fury. It's quick. And I'm Zohar to Davin for the Ahmed on Yom Kippur. Everything is, is, is with fire. And you're not even, you know, between Vidui to Vidui to Vidui. And it's not even Vidui, right? Maybe right in the beginning. It's, 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 it's Hashem, Hashem, Kalrachim. It's just the Mamish, the Midas of Rachamim. And you can't even, you know, count on your fingers how many there are. It's just from one to the next to the next to the next. It's like a, it's like a fire. It's a whirlwind of, of Dveikas. This is who we are. It's it's Dveikas B'Shayrish. Tshuva Ilah. 
It's much more than a crying over guilt or shame. It's, it's far beyond that. And Hasidus wants to speak to that kind of, of Yiddishkeit, to the sheer sheer aspect. Not of all the lowliness of, of how, how lowly we are and what, and what we have to fix and so on and so forth. Certainly we have to understand what there is to be misakin, but not in a way of saying that I am essentially broken, now let me go ahead and try to reframe and try to go ahead and, not reframe rather, but let me go, to, go ahead and try to fix you know, what I perceive to be broken within me, but to say, no, 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 I'm shalim. Mama shalim within. And all the brokenness is an illusion. And it's up to me simply to wipe away these external uh, layers of dust to be able to reveal who it is that I really am. And that comes to the fore on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. By Hasidim, they, they don't look forward to Purim with as much excitement as they look forward to Rosh Hashanah. Ah, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, like we said, Rabbi Nachman said, the second Rosh Hashanah is over, he's already listening out to hear them banging on the wall, calling everybody to slichas, ready for the next year. Because Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Nachman says again, Garmain Zach, my whole thing is Rosh Hashanah, my whole thing. Starting again, essentiality, cut through all the externalities, all the all of this extraneous things, not just physically in the world in terms of distractions and taivas and kinataiva covenant matsinas adamana ilam. Beside for that, even in Yiddishkai, to cut through all of the distracting elements of this sugya and that Allah and this nikuda to reveal what's at the core, the princess of it. What is this all about? That at the end of the end of the end of the day. That's the ni'ilah where it's just you and a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and you're requested to bring your authenticity to that moment, your sincerity to that moment. The whole you have you done as kal ha'adam lekavzchus, the whole person, mamash, who you are in your wholeness inside, not the separate aspects of what you do and you know what are some of the mistakes that you make. Those are secondary. To bring mamash your whole self, and when you can do that, you tap into a place of bechia, but a bechia of the highest, most elevated tshuva. And here, Ibn Ahmed elaborates on this. This is, this is in the Kutumran Kuf, Ayin Hay, a very famous teaching. It was actually one of the first tires that I saw in the Kutumran, this and the piece before it. My father told me to look it, at, look, look, look it up, and his mom has changed my life. These two pieces. And the Heliger, Ibn Ahmed says the following. Ikr Mailas Habachil, what is crying all about? And again, this speaks directly to everything that we've been talking about up until now. What's the Ikr Mailas Habachil? And again, the, the Mailas Habachia is, is very important. He's not simply saying, what is the advantage of crying? What's the Mailas Habachia? What's the highest form of crying? Because there's many kinds of crying. There's many aspects of crying. There's a crying of Tshuva Tata. There's many levels within Tshuva Tata. There's a crying of Tshuva Ilav, higher Tshuva, many levels there. What's the Mailas Habachia? What's the highest level of crying? He says, Rabbi Nachman, Kisha Adam, Machmas Simcha. I'm sorry, Kisha He, when it is Machmas Chedva V'Simcha. Because of an incredible celebration. Because of an incredible deep joy. Not a little bit of a happiness, something went right in your life. Beyond that, it's a deep-seated, essential joy that cuts through, that's beyond any pleasure that's beyond any good news. It's mamash the deepest. Even the regret that a person often feels it's very good for that kind of regret to be mixed in to the joy of being able to return by means of, of identifying what are those things that I need to fix. What are those things that are the external distractions of my life that aren't connected to who I am, the Panemius? That it should be out of joy. Because of our incredible rejoicing by Kaddish Baruch Hu. You think Kaddish Baruch Hu is, what do you, how do you think Hashem's face looks on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur? Kaddish Baruch Hu is smiling from one end of the world to the other. We're coming back for God's sake, literally for God's sake. I mean, what does He want from us, right? Kaddish Baruch Hu, the whole year asks us to return, and for 10 days of the year, we're Mamish and Amatzev are returning. Is, is, is arms Yemincha Pshuta the Kabul Shabbin. HaGadosh Baruch Hu is, is overflowing with incredible acceptance and love for us. And so when we're approaching, when we're doing our Harata, let it be basking in the light. It should be in the light of HaGadosh Baruch Hu's face. Because of this incredible rejoicing, when a Jew returns, it's, it's not walking sluggishly, it's dancing. Tshuva needs to be dancing toward HaKadosh Baruch Hu, dancing back home. Dancing not in a way like we often think about Tshuva as contorting ourselves and it's so difficult and what we're giving up and this is not really what I want, but I got to do it. I'm going to feel very guilty. There's nothing more natural to the Jewish heart than Tshuva. You're not only returning to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and leaving yourself behind, you are returning to you, to who 
you really are to who I really am. That's what tshuva is. And such a tshuva is mamish dancing. Such a tshuva needs to be with dancing. Like we learned last week, dancing into the book of life. Mamish dancing, right? That those who were dancing were already written in the book of life. And those that were standing on the side somber, it wasn't so clear, right? Mamish dancing. That gagua, that yearning that Rabbi Nachman spoke so deeply about, that Rabbi Nassim describes in Chaim Aran as the gaguim around Rabbi Nachman Friday night, if you can imagine what that was, the Zemiris, if we could imagine imagining what that is. That Rabbi Nassim describes the Hasidim as climbing the walls out of their gaguim. They didn't know what to do with it. They push it, we're out of their kalim. To just imagine what these, what this group of broken people lit up with the Torah of Mashiach, Mamish, sitting in the throes of Gullus in the deepest exile, whose hearts were on fire with with Torah what's called in Kisvei Breslov the Yain Hungary, the Hungarian wine. Mamish, the Torah of Mashiach. I mean, they didn't have Kalim for it. Ramnasan says, just imagine these Hasidim just try, like, crawling at the walls, like they don't know what to do with themselves. That's what Ben Achman wanted. Shlomo Kesh just put out a song with, with Nisim Black, also based on a Sikh and Chaim Aranda. Ibn Achman said, it's very nice that you'll be good Jews, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted people like animals howling in the forest at night. That's what I wanted. Out of Caleb. Mamish, a yearning that's unbearable. That's mamish unbearable. And that's what the tshuva is supposed to be out of. This unbearable, ferocious, wild, mamish, wild yearning. That, by the way, doesn't have to look wild on the outside. Inside inside. You can look contained, and in your heart could be a fire that's burning from one end of the world to the other. We spoke about the silent scream, right, about that silent scream. That's the ikr. Rabbi Nachman wants a contained person that inside is, I mean, you know, the heavens can't hold such a feeling, such a storm of emotions. This that a person went ahead and he has acted in a way that was improper and a person's yearning now to be able to come back. And a person goes ahead and is overcome with crying but again it's not a crying of sadness or brokenness. It's out of joy. This is the Iker Maila of Bechiyah, that it should be out of joy. And Rabbi Nachman explains that this is why the word Bechiyah, who Rashi Tevos, is a mnemonic for the Pasuk, Bishimcha Yigilun Kol Hayoyim. In your name, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we rejoice the whole day. That's Rashi Tevos Bechiyah. That's the Ikra Mailas Habachia when it's out of this incredible rejoicing. She Ikra Habachia, Shetia Machma Simcha Bishmayizbar. That's the Ikra. One other Nakuda also, and we're going to learn here from, from Lakutumran Reshnun, is that the whole thing of Rosh Hashanah is that we're trying to be Mam Shechwat Hashgacha. We're trying to bring the reality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Hashgacha back into our lives, that we should be conscious of it. That we should again draw the Eimei Hashem Alekecha Ba Mereshes Hashanah V'adach Roshanah Ba Mereshes Hashanah. Right? What's the headquarters for the Eimei Hashem Tamen Alekecha Ba? Mereshes Hashanah. It's from Rosh Hashanah. The whole Indian of Rosh Hashanah is drawing down that Hashgacha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says Rabbi Nachman, how do you do that? How do you awaken Hashkacha? Says the Heli Grabbis Chosyagun Leinu. Vazai Moirid Demois, based on a Gemara. We can't go into the whole thing now, but there was a certain necromancer, like a certain sorcerer, who was asking one of the Amiraim, he asked him, What's an earthquake? And he started to explain to him, What's an earthquake? He says, When a Kurdish Baruch who remembers that his children are in exile, are in Gullahs. And he goes ahead and he cries over that. He says, two tears drip from his eyes and fall into the Yamagadal, and from that the whole earth shakes. And the, and, the, and the voice is heard, the sound is heard from one end of the world to the other, and that's what causes an earthquake. Says the Heliga Rebbe, what does that mean? What does that mean that a Kurdish Baruch who cries? That Kurdish Baruch who doesn't have eyes and he doesn't cry, physical tears. What does this mean? He draws Hashkacha upon us. Because tears, crying is associated with Hashkacha, with God's providence. That after the rain, the clouds return. This is referring 
to eyesight, that after a person cries after the Geshem in our own physiological state that's associated with tears, what happens? Shavuah of him. The clouds come and we lose our eyesight. Says Rabbi Nachman, what does that mean? That means that each and every tear contains a little portion of eyesight. What's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's eyesight? It's Hashem's Hashkacha. Nimsa, you find, that our tears, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tears, but our tears contain a little bit of our eyesight in them. And that's why if a person cries and cries and cries and cries, that's why they ain't Leah Rakus, right? Leah's eyes, her eyesight wasn't so good because she spent so many years crying over this that she felt that she was going to go to the portion of Asaph, right? Because the older one to the older one. But this Nakuda of eyesight being drawn into the tears is this aspect of HaKadosh Baruch Hu crying. Because in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tears are flowing that incredible Ashkacha. What does it mean that Hashem cries? It means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is drawing Hashkacha upon us. So we know that Hashem Silcha, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing what we're doing. What we do down here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing up there. Da we should know that what's above, Mimcha, is coming from you, like the Nebuchadnezzar, the Gedusha Slave, the other Tzadikim say. So Mimela and Rosh Hashanah, that we're trying to draw down this Hashkacha of Tamid Eini Hashem, Eini Hashem, Elekecha, Meireshes Hashanah, Vahad Achrashanah, which is Koilo Nishma, Misoifa Ilam, Vahad Soifa is the same thing as Reishes Hashanah, Vahad Achrashanah, what it is in time, that is in Makom, that's part of that Gemara over there, what do you do? You have to cry. And the tears were being ma'orer the hashkach of Hakadosh Baruch Hu that when a Jew is crying leiv nishbar v'nidke alukim loisivze as daka ani eshkan as daka right Hakadosh Baruch Hu goes down to those that are broken karav Hashem l'nishbar leiv it's dafka when a person is in such a massive where a person is able to be married demais that awakens that Hakadosh Baruch Hu should come and Hakadosh Baruch Hu should be with that person. Okay, so with the last couple of minutes we'll start. I don't think that we'll get through all the sources, but you never know. For the last 15 minutes, could be that we'll get through it. Let's try to see after the Shemai to do the best we can to get into Sichas Aran Chaf days. But that's, that's Rosh Hashanah. And I think that really, you know, and I, I was speaking to somebody, I was learning with somebody a separate piece from Likutei Halachas um, on Sunday morning. And I was telling him, because we were learning this piece, it's also about Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. There are thousands of svarim on the Yom Tov and Chagim, right? All the tzaddikim are speaking about the Yom Tov from a thousand different angles and a thousand different approaches and different aspects of the Yom Tov and the deeper meanings and messages. When Rabbi Nachman speaks about a Yom Tov, he captures the essence of the essence of the essence of the essence of it and everything else is parashimah. What Rabbi Nachman says about Purim and Tariyud is the essence of Purim. It's mamish, like the, the core, 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 core. It's not a Torah. It's not a nice thing to say over by a Sheva Brachas. You know, it's mamish, the deepest kernel of the essence of the core of what that Yantiv is. And so over here, what we just learned in last week's session and in the beginning of this, or the majority of this week's session, this is Rosh Hashanah. This is Rosh Hashanah, what it is at its mamish, its deepest essence, the idach zilgamar. Anything that you'll learn from any of the tzaddikim that talk about, now we can speak about Rosh, what shayfar is, and malchus apprentice with shayfars and all these different elements. Thank you so much for coming and thank you for printing the sheets. All of these nakudas are going to be sort of the layers and layers and layers and layers on top of the root of what this is, of the essence of what this is, what we've learned together last week and this week. So this is going to be an important shear to either Chazer, right, if you listen to the audio again, or the source sheets, if you've kept the source sheets, you have them on PDF, to review. You go back before Rosh Hashanah, this is Hachanah, Mamash Hachanah. What we're supposed to be feeling, what we're supposed to be thinking, what Rosh Hashanah is all about, what we're supposed to be doing. This is uh, Rabbi Nachman's guide to Rosh Hashanah in five lines of Hebrew text and a tiny little sicha in the, in the, in the beginning of Sicha Saran that Mamash contains what Rosh Hashanah is at its core. Okay, so here we get into Sicha Saran Chav Days. And the Rebbe says like this, and this is going to be a little bit of a prelude to Sicha Chav Gimel, which is much longer, which we'll get into next week, the Siyat HaDishmaya. It's a very good thing to be able to be close and to build a kesher with a true tzaddik. With a tzaddik amiti. What does it mean, a true tzaddik? There's many tzaddikim. Rabbi Nachman says, in Tinyana, I can't remember exactly which lesson right now, but Rabbi Nachman says, Yesh harbe tzaddikim. There are many, many tzaddikim. But yesh nikudas ha'emes she'bena tzaddikim. 
there's among those tzaddikim, there's an akudas ha'emes, there's a certain gilui coming down through the Torah of a particular tzaddik or a particular kind of tzaddik that's revealing a level of emes that's even beyond the emes of all of the other tzaddikim. Everything they're saying is emes. The mamash doesn't denigrate not one bit from any of the other tzaddikim. There's a, there's a certain neshama that's sent to the world to be megale what we spoke about, the pinimius of the pinimius, the emes la'amito of what it is a Jew, of what it is Hashem, of what it is the Torah, that doesn't take you know, uh, sh- shortcuts. Mamish is, is, is at the essence right, of, of, of what Yiddishkeit is and is able to capture that and give it over to the, to the Tamidim and to the Hasidim, in this case, right, to give it over to the Tamidim so that they are mamish able to be on fire with the essentiality of Yiddishkeit. And it's not just sugyas and halachas and, and, and poiskim and, and, and musr yeah. and, and, all the, and, and even Hasidus. There's something beyond that, right? And this is what the Hasidim, when it, the breasts of a Hasidim, when they're singing Eishas Chayel, sometimes we do it by us Friday night. I like to do different mirrors just to encompass everything. But sometimes we do the breasts of Eishas Chayel, and the Hasidim like to repeat this pasuk, Rabbis Banois Asu Chayel. Rabbis Banois Asu Chayel, Alis, Which means, there are many daughters, there are many women that are doing this incredible acts of valor. Then there's a separate kind. It's not even, it's not better, it's not worse. It's Pasha different. And the Breslovers believe very, very strongly and feel very strongly that the Tzaddik that spoke more than anybody else about the Nekuda of Tzaddik Emes, like the Gemara says, right? The one who, right? the one who brings the letter, you should be the one who should read it, right? So it means to say, and that's Mamashu Yosef Tzaddik, you know, what, what, what power is said to Yosef Tzaddik. You're the one who's being able to go ahead and to, and to, and to interpret what my dream is, so you carry it out, right? So the one who's speaking about it, Mamela means that he has a very strong Kesha with it. This Torah, these ideas, this essentiality, this yearning, this gagua, this eish, shali, tukar, bias, hamashiach, is nothing like this that exists, right? Throughout history, we've spoken about this many times in the past, this kind of neshama was revealed in different generations increasingly toward the end of time in Rabbi Nachman, the Baal Shem HaKadosh, the Arizal, further back in time, Shem Bar-Yechai, beyond that, Moshe Rabbeinu, right? all of these tzaddikim that are seen as spiritual game changers in the sense that once they came to the world and revealed their Torah, nothing was, was ever the same. Moshe Rabbeinu brings down the nigla of Torah, nothing's ever the same, changes all of humanity, every aspect of life, right? And, the, uh, the, the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai reveals the Zohar Kaddish, changes Yiddishkeit. That Rizal gives us the key to, uh, to, to, to the Zohar Kaddish, allows us to really understand what the Zohar Kaddish is saying with regard to how these Kabbalistic ideas manifest in the upper realms. The Baal Shem Kaddish brings Kabbalah down to earth, takes Kabbalah and invests it within our emotional, uh, you know, psycho-spiritual makeup. And there Rabbi Nachman of Breslov comes to Mamish take us home. Mamish to, t- to really take us, with the cherry on the top. Of, the, of this whole system, what's called the Chamesha Sichide Hadairis, these five unique tzaddikim, these five towering souls that ultimately Breslovers believe are part of the same neshama that came throughout history to be able to move the bull along and nothing was ever the same before, nothing was ever the same after. This is an akud of tzaddik emes, right? That it doesn't necessarily need to mean that in every generation there's a tzaddik emes, right? In that generation. In Chabad, they speak about nisi dareinu, right? There's another concept in Chabad. And there's a great deal of speculation as to whether that's the same concept, a different concept, different shitas, different opinions, different approaches. But in Breslov, this is a very fundamental idea. And therefore, we are seen as having the ability to be mekasher to the tzaddik emes, to be able to have a relationship with this tzaddik by doing the eitzes. We spoke about in a parashashi recently, the importance of doing eitzes of the tzaddik, not just to learn the tzaddik, but to really put it into practice. Right, certainly to learn the the, the svarim of the tzaddik. Or Benachman in another place says benafshik shur benafshay is an element of ava to love. You come to love the tzaddik. You know that you come to have a debt of gratitude to this person that mamas changed your life in a thousand ways and gave you chay mamas chayim roshayim tzaddikim rather afilu b'misasim krim chayim. They give life. Right, the, the Zarkara says that the tzaddikim, after they're already left the world, they're found in the world. That their impact is alive. Yaakov Avinu Loi 
Mismamish, that they're really here, they're alive. We have the ability to contact them. Says Rabbi Nachman, it's a very good thing to be Mekuriv to a Tzadik Amiti, which is exactly what we're doing right now, is learning the words of, of, of a Tzadik Emes. Kila Asid Lavai, because La Asid Lavai, Ksiv, the Pasuk in Eiv tells us a scary thing. That a Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to sort of hold on to the edges of the earth and to shake the Rishayim off of it, whatever that means. The, the earth doesn't have edges. That the edges of the earth will be grasped and, and, and the earth will be shaken like a garment. We're going to learn from the Zara Kaddish in a minute. What, what, the Zara's take on this. But a person who was close to the Tzadik, a person who had a kesher to this kind of hasaga, to this kind of understanding of what it is, essentiality, what it is to be a Jew. At our essence, at our core, we are holy. And this is, this is very much kashur to, uh, to, to what we have been speaking about until now, what Rosh Hashanah means. A person that has a kesher to the tzaddik emes in such a way that he's able to have or to maintain contact with that essence, essence of who we are, because that's what the Sadiq Emes is revealing to us. He's revealing to us the deepest Hasaga in Hashem, the deepest Hasaga in the Jewish soul, the deepest Hasaga in the world at large, the deepest Hasaga in Torah and Mitzvahs, and so on and so forth. Such a person, as Ayachzik v'yoyches atzmi ba'atzadik, He'll be able to hold on to the tzaddik. When the whole world is shaking and when everything is falling apart and crumbling and there's insanity upon insanity upon insanity and up is down and down is up and left is right and right is left and everything's falling apart. Holding on to the tzaddik, to that sanity, the initial will enable us to hold on will enable us to be able to again tap in to the essence and not to allow ourselves to be drawn into the fringes of this grand cloth that's called human existence. The fringes being those things that are not essential. The machshavah zaris, those things that are foreign to us. Not to identify ourselves with the negative actions that are not us but are solely and purely dust on the surface of this perfectly clean water bottle that has within it perfectly clean water. And because we look at it through this aspect of dust, so we think that the water is dirty inside, but to be able to maintain a connection to that place, to move away from the fringes of this garment, it's dafka the external, it's, I'm sorry, it's dafka the edges that a Kaddish Baruch Hu holds on to. But the tzaddik is the center, is the core, is reminding us of our essence, of our center, of our core. So you'll be able to hold on. Because you'll be able again to escape from the fringes of our identity to again return to who we are at the deepest essence of our being. And we won't be shaken off in our who spend all of their time hanging out at the edges of the edges of the edges of the externals, always looking outside of themselves for happiness, all, all, always seeking further physical gratification to try to go ahead and to make life manageable from an external standpoint instead of tapping deeply into the core, into the root. Because we will have held on to the tzaddik who again is always speaking about the essence. The tzaddik mamitim are always speaking about the essence of the essence of the essence. They don't speak pshetlach, they don't speak tyrus. They speak mamish, the core, only what's necessary, not a word more, not a word less, that's bringing us mamish, the sag of Mashiach, as the dawn of Mashiach continues to rise, you and I are basking in its, in its glow already. And the sun hasn't yet breached the horizon, maybe it's beginning to, but you and I are already having our lives illuminated with that, with that ultimate hasag of umalards deil adasas Hashem kamayim liyamachasim, of that nekud of shivisi Hashem l'nagdisam what the whole Shulchan Aruch is about, that it's preceded by that halacha. The tzaddikim don't necessarily speak about all the other halachas, and of course they do. But within all of those halachas, they penetrate to find the very first halacha. Shivisi Hashem That's what the tzaddik emes is. And so all those that are hanging out by the knafas, by the external edges of the garment, they're going to be shaken off because they won't have that core to be able to return to. And so they'll fall right off. But those that are connected to the teachings of the Tzaddik Emes will able to, uh, to, to, to hold on and not allow ourselves to be fooled or deluded with regard to what our identity is and who we are. Let's take a look at the Malbim. And the next week, I guess, we'll continue with, uh, with the rest of it.
because it takes a little bit more time to go to the next piece on Lukut Imran and the Zohar Kaddish and, and the final piece from Lukut Imran. But let's, uh, let's see the Malbim with this. We'll close for tonight and we'll continue next week with this. And I, like I said, it's a prelude to Sicha Chav Gimel. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out nicely. It's like a little bit of an introduction. And the Eilig Malbim says, on that Pasuk in Eoi, listen to these beautiful words. Because the Pasuk preceding this Pasuk of Lechaz B'Knafis Ha'aretz and Eoi speaks about Shachar, speaks about Dawn. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu is speaking about, again, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Which is the essential question of the whole Sefer Eoi. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu is telling Eoi, trying to explain to him in different Meshalim that you don't know Cheshbainus. You don't, you don't know what light is, what darkness is, why there's darkness for some, why there's light for others. And so the Pasuk, right before this Pasuk, refers to dawn, refers to daybreak, refers to the sun in the sky traveling around the earth, or the earth, right, the earth rather traveling and rotating around the sun to go ahead and to become illuminated by, by its light. And so the Malvim continues based on that Pasuk and says, rega rega every moment, hashachar machlefes mekomo. Can you imagine this? In all of our midnights, and in the midnight of every single human being, in the darkest point of darkness, for every single person, there's a dawn happening at that very moment somewhere. Think about that for a second. At the same exact moment, throughout world history, that there was ever a midnight for any individual, at any given second, there was also a dawn for other segments of humanity at that split second. That's the way, that's the chachma in which this world works, right? Is that darkness and light are constantly, constantly, constantly shifting, constantly shifting. Every split second, there's a daybreak somewhere. And that's what the, that's what the Malbim says here. Every moment, and this world exists in a place where daybreak is just constantly traveling around the world. It's not just the, right, that darkness and light, but daybreak itself, dawn, is constantly moving. Every moment, there's a dawn. And it's constantly proceeding along the external edge, right, of the circle, right, the circumference of the, of the circle of the, of the earth. What does it mean that a Kaddish Baruch Hu holds onto the edge of the earth? What does it look like when dawn comes? You ever had, a, you know, what are those things? Um, the Etch-a-Sketch, you know, and you shake it, right? And it deletes the picture. It's a pellet, you know, how, how that works. It's amazing. But this, is, but this is very similar in a certain way. When dawn is breaking a little bit, the darkness is getting shaken away. So that's why this Pasuk follows a Pasuk that spoke about what? That spoke about dawn and daybreak because this is exactly what's happening. As dawn breaks, it's like a Kaddish Baruch was holding onto that particular edge, right, of the earth, which doesn't have edges because it's circle, it's circular, right? But in that place, our Kaddish Baruch was shaking the darkness away, shaking the dust away. And says the Malbim, listen to this deepest thing. He says, when that happens and dawn breaks, and the darkness gets shaken away and light begins to illuminate the darkness. Because in every moment where dawn is breaking, the Rishayim are running away from that. So it's not so much, he says, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes the earth, violently shakes it, and all those that aren't really anchored, rooted in with their seatbelt fasten, they fall off. It's that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is bringing light to the world, more and more light to the world. And those that don't have a shaykhus with light. They don't have kalim for it. They experience it like darkness, much like makas choshech, that the Berdichvarav tells us that ultimately makas choshech was the deepest light. That's why it says, but it wasn't an akuda that for, it was darkness for them and light for the Am Yisrael. It was bechol meishvoysam is moishav tam. It's because they had complete kalim. And memela, they were able to experience the choshech as light. Because to a person that's been sitting in a room for, in darkness for a very long period of time, you open the door, what happens? You know, in the sunlight comes in, you, you, like scurrying, you know, in the movies, like when they're in a solitary confinement, they can't handle it when they open the little slat because the, they, they don't have Kalim for it. They don't have Kalim. And that's Mamash Derishan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings light to the world steadily, more and more steadily. The Giloy of Him, the Giloy of Essence. And the Rishan can't take it. And they're scurrying. It's like Mamash, you know, also like, like mice, right, in a cellar. You open a door and they all go running away. They can't handle the light. That's, says, that, says the Malbim, is what it means that Hashem holds, to, holds onto the edge of earth. What's the edge? It's where dawn is. 
Dawn is breaking and the darkness is being scattered. But you know who scatters with the darkness is the Rishayim. They scamper back into it. Those thieves of night, they are, they are, they are digging in the darkness, batim into houses, and they're, and they're hiding into their pits. And that's what happens as the Kaddish Baruch Hu brings light to the world. But those that had a kesher to the tzaddik emes and to the tzaddikim amitim, those that are connected to the light of Mashiach that the tzaddik is bringing into the world, Memela, when a Kaddish Baruch Hu turns up the illumination by a few notches, they're not, they're, not, they're not running into the darkness because they can't handle it because we've already been prepared. And I believe with every fiber of my being that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has, bring, has been preparing us for Mashiach for the last 200 years. We've largely ignored him. Things are changing now. But we've largely ignored him. And HaKadosh Baruch was trying to upgrade our consciousness to get us thinking in a deeper way about Yiddishkeit, about every, we need a new Torah, we need a new, it's the same Torah, we need a new Gili, we need a new approach, we need new Chinuch, we need new Hasag, uh, what parenting is, we have to get ready for Mashiach. Or Mamish getting, the same way we put on physical garments to greet Shabbos, we, we put on Ruchni's garments to greet the, the great day to come, the Yom Shekulei Shabbos. We have to get ready, we have to start preparing. And HaKadosh Baruch has been preparing us, Dafka, Rabbi Nachman said, Eishali Tukat Arbias HaMashiach, there's an Eish here. And the more that we connect with the Eish, the less likely we are to scurry and scamper into the darkness when HaKadosh Baruch turns on the great light, Bebias Goyal, Bemeher Be'amenu, Amen Ve'amen. There's Hashem, we should be able to see it with our own eyes. Not to come, but to continue to come, to continue to approach, to continue to unfold before our very eyes and to have the merit and schus of being a part of it. Ashreinu Mamish, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in on Zoom and on Facebook. Ashreinu Mateu Now we can really get ready for Rosh Hashanah. Now we're ready. Ashreinu Mamish, thank you so much to everyone who joined and wishing everybody a phenomenal rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you.